and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors wrapped up a very routine win against a very much tanking team against the uh, San Antonio Spurs, winning by a score of 112-98 to as the Raptors return home following their seven-game road trip. Um, hard to assess this game simply because of just how bad San Antonio was, and it wasn't like they played, like, incompetent basketball or they, they you know they were particularly sloppy it just was it just seemed so easy for the Raptors to score over them especially in the starting group especially with Pascal Siakam who had 20 points in the first quarter on a perfect 7 of 7 shooting and finished the night with 37 points 10 rebounds 7 assists a steal on 15 of 21 shooting including 3 of 3 from 3 and 4 or 5 from the free throw line I mean it was it was just easy based on that alone I mean Pascal was just kind of unstoppable and you know, that's, that's a really encouraging sign, right? Because we have seen Pascal um, slow down a little bit recently on that road trip. There were some games where he looked very tired, very exhausted. Um, and, yeah, today I think it was back to much more of that sort of brilliant, energetic um, play that we've been used to from him. Um, I think today, even though there weren't as many opportunities where he just blew by guys, uh, although there were f- uh, a certain number of those as well, but it was just nice to see him have the legs for the jumper. I mean, um, yes, the 3 of 3 from 3 is great. But for me, it was it was seeing how good he was in the mid-range. Like, uh, you know, he would just get into his spots at the elbows, jab step, get into his moments, and then, yeah, just fade up, uh, just fade away and shoot over guys. And, yeah, he made a number of those tonight. I think the primary defender that he particularly liked was Isaiah Roby, who genuinely has the face of a four-year-old. Um, but, like, you know, Pascal just... He really had that shooting touch going. And I think that of late, um, I think whether you want to blame it on fatigue or whatever you want to blame it on, um, maybe it's just shots not dropping. But, you know, he's been off with his jumper. He's been off from the, the free throw line. He's been off from the three. And to see all that come back today was was really nice to see. I mean, plus just the fact that, like, look, uh, you know, you're not necessarily seeing, like, um, the very best of, uh, of you know, the of, of the opponent. But at the same time, I think the approach from Pascal was 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 fun to see, right? Like the the fact that he's, you know, in a game like this where it, at no point did you ever sweat it, at no point did you ever feel like, okay, maybe San Antonio might steal this or whatever. Um, Pascal was still diving on the floor for loose balls and 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 pushing the break and, you know, looking to make the next pass. You know, even when Pascal was on 37 points at the end of the game, and he had the ball and he was at the three-point line. And I was like, well, most players would just pull up for three here and go for that 40 ball. Instead, Pascal makes a play where he drives downhill, gets two defenders on him, and then kicks out opposite corner to Chris Boucher, who was also pretty good on the night. And I'm, whatever, Chris missed the three. But I think that approach of just like playing the right way, playing positively, even when you're on sort of these benchmarks, you know, can you make the next play and the right play? And yeah, the play tonight was just give it to Pascal and move out the way. Like, he was so good. And, um, yeah, of course, like, it, you, it's definitely suspicious when it comes against, like, lower-tier opposition, right? San Antonio could very well be the worst team in the league. They're really, really struggling of late. They're 5-21 and 21 on the road now. Like, you know, this is not a good team by any means. And the Raptors rolled them by 46, I think, or 43 when the Raptors played in San Antonio earlier this season. But... Yeah, I mean, for Pascal, though, it, it was an easy, easy night for him. And it seems like he really likes playing the Spurs. I mean, there was – we've seen games for Pascal where he's had, like, 25 points um, against San Antonio. That was also in the first quarter. This is like, two seasons ago. And, yeah, I mean, he's – I mean, look, listen, San Antonio has been that good, obviously, since Kawhi and you know, that whole fiasco. But at the same time, like, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful to watch Pascal tonight. And um, 
hopefully we can get to see more of this. I think especially with uh, the All-Star break coming up. And who knows? You know, Adam Silver will need to name some replacements because, um, you know, uh, Kyrie obviously has been moved to the Western Conference. And we'll see if he has to sort of name a replacement there. I'm not actually sure how that would work. Um, and then more importantly, KD probably does not look like he'll be playing in the All-Star game. So there will have to be replacements there. And whatever. I think there are other names that are to be considered. I'm sure Jimmy Butler could be in consideration there or James Harden could be in consideration there. But, I mean, listen, Pascal had a very strong case to make the All-Star uh, game in the first place. The reason why he didn't was because the Raptors record was bad. That wasn't because of him, though. Um, and, yeah, you know, if, if he doesn't get to be in the All-Star game, if he gets to go away and, and get some rest, I think, you know, I'm looking for a stronger finish to the season from him. I think that for him, there is still the All-NBA possibility. Again, that's going to be very difficult with the Raptors being so low in the standings. They would have to really make a hard push. Um, but at the same time, I just want to necess- I just want to see it from his his level of play. You know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily need to see it in, in the sense that, like, um, I need to see it for awards or recognition or anything like that. I think I just want to see it because when Pascal's cooking at that, that level like he was tonight, it's just really fun to watch. Like, the Spurs had no answers for him. Eventually, they tr- double-teamed and stuff like that, but... Man, I mean, even just watching him, you know, single coverage in the post, hitting some of these jumpers, it, it was really, really clinical to watch from him tonight. Very efficient outing as well. Even with the jumpers being a heavy part of his diet, uh, he was still able to shoot a very high percentage. So, um, yeah, very happy with Pascal's performance. I think for the rest of the starting five, like, you know, they came out, um, they came out okay. It wasn't, like, the greatest, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I think for me it was funny because their, their strategy tonight uh, was very much just like go at Jakob Pertl. Now, I don't know if it's because of the trade rumors. I don't know if it's because of the fact that um, the Raptors, obviously, a lot of them had played with Jakob before. I don't know if it's just because that's just the game plan and they just feel like Jakob Pertl is a weak defender. But everybody was going at him. Like, every single player on the Raptors was going at him. Of course, Pascal's going to go at him and stuff like that. That's normal. Pascal's going to go at everybody. Um, but, yeah, you just, you just keep, you know, um, seeing various guys go at him, you know, like Chris Boucher went at him. You know, Fred Van Vliet hit a tough layup over him. Um, Precious Achua went through him. Scotty Barnes scoring on him back-to-back plays. You know, they're putting him in pick-and-roll, making him drop. Fred pulling up for mid-range jumpers, right? Like, Gary, I think, got a layup through him as well. Like, they just kept going at him. And, you know, listen, I think um, obviously this one game is not really going to change specifically what the evaluations of any player is going to be. I mean, you know, that's not not how you look at it. Um, But at the same time, it was kind of funny because you have consistently heard Jacoperto's name linked with the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Raptors, at least in this game, decided, well, we're going to show you why that shouldn't be the case, which is actually kind of funny to see. And even, you know, on the other end of the floor when Jakob had the ball, and whatever, Jakob was never, like, this super skilled offensive player. Like, you know, he got some floaters, he got some good screens, he got offensive rebounds, you know. Hopefully when he gets to the free throw line, he makes those free throws like he did tonight, 4-4. But... Yes, the Raptors were also kind of hunting him on that front, too, in terms of, like, being able to stop him. There's a play where Fred got switched on a Jakob Proto. The ball got fed into the post. Fred knocked it back out. Then Jakob collected the loose ball, brought it back into the post, tried to attack, and then Fred knocked it away again. You know, and it was just kind of this kind of stuff over and over again over the course of the game. And, yeah, I mean, look, listen, this is not like a standout game from Jakob. This is not like a – but then again, I don't think that he was the reason why San Antonio lost the game. I just thought it was notable because you do continue to hear rumors, right, including – um, during the middle of the game, we saw um, Jake Fisher of uh, Yahoo um, tweeted about how the fact that, um, you know, uh, the Raptors may be engaging with a new package um, centered around Delano Banton. 
um, who is on San Antonio's radar. Um, the Spurs are still seeking first-round uh, pick compensation for Jakob. Um, and obviously, he, he's literally in Toronto right now. So if you did want to make a trade, obviously, this would be the time. But regardless, just to you get a little preview in terms of like what could potentially be coming back, we, we probably saw, I mean, hopefully we saw the lower end of what Jakob Proto has to offer in this specific moment because, you know, Toronto Raptors definitely did go at him quite a bit. Um, yeah, in terms of the rest of the starting five, I mean, like, I think offensively at the start, you know, Fred was really aggressive, as he normally is. Um, but it was interesting because Pascal finished the quarter, the first quarter with 20 points. But Fred had nine shot attempts. So he literally took more shots than Pascal in the first quarter. Um, and he was three of nine. He made some tough layups. There's no doubt. He made some, some deep threes. You know, obviously that's what he does. But at the same time, five of 16, there were a lot of chucking towards the end there too. Not a lot of, like, looking to make the right pass. Um, yeah, I wasn't really sure what to make of it, other than just to say that that wasn't a very good offensive performance for Fred. Uh, I didn't think it was particularly that good from Gary either. Um, you know, he, he made a couple of tough baskets in close. It was a, a bit of a scary moment in the second quarter where, to start it, uh, it was Gary on with that bench group that was led by Scotty. So it was Gary and Scotty with some bench guys, and uh, Gary drove to the rim. And I'm not even sure specifically how he got undercut, but, you know, he was shooting a, a shot in, in the middle of the lane, and I think there was some contact. And he kind of just landed, like, on an angle and just kind of landed on his elbows as he sort of using that to break his fall. And so he was at the free throw line, like, really visibly, like, shaking it out, shaking it out, shaking it out. I couldn't even tell which arm was hurt or which elbow was hurt because he was doing that with both hands. Um, and, yeah, ultimately, uh, he didn't necessarily have the strongest game. But at the same time, you know, he was still able to contribute in the scoring sense. I mean, you don't really worry too much about Gary's overall impact on the game. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's funny, too, because I, I, I wouldn't look at it like Scotty was having a, a takeover performance either. Like, Scotty kind of had flashes. You know, he was stuck on one point for a while in the first half, which, I mean, at this point, we've come to realize that, like, we can't necessarily worry too much if Scotty has a slow start because eventually he'll turn it on. But there wasn't really a turn it on type of moment in terms of his scoring. Even though he played 39 minutes, he only took 10 shots, and four of those were catch-and-shoot threes, which he knocked down one of those. So sorry, J sorry, sorry to JR's parlay. I know you wanted two. Sorry, you only got one there. But um, with Scotty, though, I, I think the, you saw a little bit of takeover when he went at Jacoporo, drove on him for back-to-back -back layups, one for a left-handed finish, one for a right-handed finish. Um, but what I liked from Scotty today wasn't necessarily the, the scoring, it was the passing. And even though four assists is fairly standard for him, in fact, it's below his average, um, I really liked some of the, the passes that he made. There were some really, really beautiful cross-court feeds that he would have. Like, he would work a pick-and-roll on one side of the floor and then whip a one-handed fastball, reversing it to the other wing to Gary for three. Or there was a bullet pass that he passed to, um, to I think, Precious, um, where if Scotty had the rebound, Precious was leaking out. There's two defenders in the way, and he threw this dart through the lane into Precious's hands. Now, Precious couldn't really um, make a play off of that and fumbled the ball, and the ball came, kind of came out. Then Precious tried to reset, tried to attack, lost the ball, dove on the floor to poke the ball out. Scotty ends up being the guy who picks it out, and as soon as he picks up the ball, even though this was a scramble situation, Scotty throws a one-handed whip pass into the corner to Gary for another three in the corner. So I just thought there were so many great passes from Scotty tonight. Like, I was watching the game, and even though, again, he only had four assists, I found myself saying, like, great pass, like, three, four times just in the course of watching him. Um, I think defensively he also got after it as well. I mean, that's something that we've seen consistently from Scotty now for, for a, a couple of months. I mean, we've seen uh, Nick Nurse praise him of late, and he's really, you know, uh, praised him for how he's turning around the last 30 games or so. And, by the way, 30 games, that's a long time, right? Obviously he had a slow month in November, but since then he's really come on strong. Um, you know, I thought he, he guarded well. I thought the Raptors as a whole guarded well. A lot of blocks tonight right at the rim, which I really enjoyed seeing. 
Um, Precious obviously has that ability, and he had two blocks like that. Chris, though, I thought Chris was once again a huge difference maker off the bench. Chris Boucher plays 30 minutes, ends up closing the game ahead of Gary Trent Jr., which was interesting. I wonder how much of that was just the elbow or how much of that was just Chris playing well. Probably a bit of both, if I had to guess. But in any case, like, yeah, Chris was a, a huge spark block off the bench. I mean, 18 points, 11 rebounds, including four offensive, knocked down two threes, got to the free throw line five times, made six of 10 from the field, three steals, three blocks. I think it just overall screams a picture of just like how active he was. Chris was getting after it. And I think that that's the thing with Chris where you just know that, you know, he has this ability, right? I think that, you know, it's not necessarily just the fact that he's a hustle player, right? I think he actually has the ability to to really, really get himself involved in a lot of spaces. I think, yeah, I mean, that just, you know, it, it's been very consistent with what he's been doing all day, right? When you think back on that road trip, three of those games, the Raptors had a horrible start against Utah, against Houston, against Memphis. And right away, it was Chris Boucher subbing into that, those specific games that um, flipped those contests. And so I think Nick is right to reward Chris with more of those chances. I think, obviously, he's not going to do this for you all the time. Um, but at the same time, you know, he has his ability. And, of course, out of all the guys on the bench at the moment, especially with Precious in the starting five, filling in for OG Ananobi, who was at the game today, by the way. I saw him in the in a sweater courtside. Um, you know, obviously he wasn't ready to play. Um, and uh, I think he was. he had like a little warming pack or something on his arm or on his hand I couldn't really tell but um you know yeah in, in that scenario like you really did see um uh, you know not a lot off your bench right because of the fact that Precious was promoted the Raptors bench is thin anyway so you got Chris Boucher he's the guy who can really be a difference maker and if he hasn't been as good as he has been in the last couple of games here off the bench I really think the Raptors would have really 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 struggled and I think that's something where you know for me I mean it's just I just wish that all the guys had the ability to play that hard and, and with that so much passion as, as Chris does, right? And sometimes Chris doesn't always do it. So, of course, it's not entirely something that, you know, is on Nick or it's it's on, you know, whoever to, to not really maximize Chris. But at the same time, yeah, when he plays like this, it's beautiful to watch. You know, streaking head from transition. A lot of blocks, right, where sometimes he will block it where, you know, he'll, he'll jump out at a corner three and the guy shoots it and he doesn't really, you know, know that Chris's specialty is blocking those corner threes. But today he even had some great blocks where in terms of like three-point closeouts on dribble handoffs involving, you know, um, uh, Doug McDermott, who has been a Raptor killer for like 10 years now. Um, you know, it, stuff like that where it's a hard play, especially around a dribble handoff. You're literally getting a screen as you're getting the ball. And if he's shooting right from there, how are you really going to block it? Chris was able to jump through one of those and still block it without fouling, which was, I thought, a really impressive play. Also blocked two drives to the rim as well and just completely stuffed them at the rim. So, you know, I just, I really liked his energy tonight. And I think Nick was very right to either if it was a reward or even if it was just insurance against Gary potentially taking a knock. Um, yeah, I thought Chris was able to to really deliver a good effort. And, and yeah, kudos to him because, you know, this is a dead zone in the season. Everyone's just looking ahead to what they're going to do for all-star break. And, you know, that's that's in like a week plus away now. Um, you know, everyone's nervous about the trade deadline and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, th I thought Chris just came in and played with a really clear mind and was great. I mean, to be honest, when I'm looking at the whole thing, I really only see two players that played particularly well for the Raptors. Like, everyone else kind of did their thing. But on the whole, like, San Antonio just wasn't very strong. I mean, you know, a lot of their offense is very simple one-action kind of stuff with the starting group. With the bench group, I thought they maybe moved the ball a little bit better, mostly just because they have a really good movement shooter like Doug McDermott. 
I mean, McDermott would be a very interesting trade candidate for a lot of teams. I understand that defensively he's not really there, but, you know, offensively there's certainly a skill set. The issue with McDermott, obviously, is that, you know, he, he is fairly old now. And he's, he's uh, how old is he now? He is 31. Okay, so, I mean, like, you, you get him for a couple more prime years, but he could definitely knock down some threes. I know he was only three of eight today, but he really gets open, moves the ball well, like, moves well makes the next pass. Um, I think he would fit into a lot of programs, probably including Toronto as well. I mean, the Raptors don't have a shooter like that off the bench. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I just think that San Antonio's roster is kind of really lacking in, in a lot of areas, right? Like, you know, you, you there was a lot of plays run for Josh Richardson. And I can't remember the last time Josh Richardson was a featured player in, on, on the offense. Like, that probably means your, your team is not good, which obviously San Antonio's isn't. There's a lot of Keldon Johnson, who was, by the way, the 29th pick that was eventually uh, conveyed to San Antonio for the uh, Kawhi Leonard trade. Obviously, no one regrets that move at all. But, you know, Keldon Johnson definitely has uh, developed into something decent. You know, he's a guy who's very physical, goes hard to the basket. I think they call him Big Body Johnson. Like, you know, even though for a smaller guy, he's able to absorb contact with his chest like a bigger player and then go strong and finish at the basket or draw fouls. I like his aggression. His overall play, I mean, it's it's okay. Defensively, I think he could be a lot better, but it doesn't seem like he's that committed to that front. And then the three-point shooting, I'm sure it's better than one of six normally, but, you know, still, um, you know, the results are what they are. It just felt like San Antonio couldn't really generate that much offense. And again, I, I don't know how much of that to blame on certain guys, but to me, it didn't really look like, okay, anything Jacoproto was doing with his high-low passing or with his screening or anything like that, it didn't really seem to have much of an effect. Maybe part of that is just, like, it's a bad matchup against Toronto. I mean, clearly they've lost to Toronto but now by, like, almost 60 points in the two games um but yeah i mean i don't know I, it, there's just something really gummy there and um you know i think that yeah if the raptors ultimately make the move for proto i think we'll definitely do a deeper examination of sort of how his game has matured since um you know being moved from toronto to san antonio i mean I, i'd like proto as a player a lot i liked him when he was a raptor um definitely you know you saw a lot of love for Jakob in the building i think nick nurse said that you know you know the raptors loved having Jakob um, in the in the program, obviously, while he was here. Um, you know, I, he, you know, had some hugs with Pascal, had some hugs with, you know, um, some of the assistant coaching staff that had been here for a while, um, you know, with Chris, with Fred as well. So, like, you know, obviously there's a love in the organization for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how his game has developed because the last time we saw him, I mean, it, it was very much like a bench big, a good bench big, but still a bench big. So we'll see how much that ultimately impacts things. Um, as as they as they move ahead to the deadline, obviously this podcast is going to be very dated by as soon as tomorrow, because of how much um, trade activity is already starting to take place. Uh, we already saw some huge moves um, take place just uh, over the course of the the, the game and uh, the night tonight. Um, you saw a three team trade uh, involving Russell Westbrook being sent to Utah, likely a buyout there because I don't think Russell Westbrook is a fan favorite in Utah by any means, and I don't think Russell Westbrook should be subjected to the fans in Utah. Let's just leave it there. Um, but, yeah, the, the Lakers landing D'Angelo Russell and, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt and um, uh, Malik Beasley, you know, that's three pieces for their rotation. Um, I think the Lakers definitely needed some quality depth, so I think that really helps them. And, of course, Minnesota gets involved there too, landing Mike Conley, who, you know, can be an adult in the room and, and be a better like just a better point guard than D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that that's much of a debate um, who's, who's in terms of who's better as a point guard, strictly in those terms. But, um, yeah, you've seen that. You've seen some moves involving the Knicks apparently have traded uh, Cam Reddish and a protected future-round uh, first, first pick to the Blazers for Josh Hart. So, you know, you're probably going to expect more of this, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be dated. But 
you know, in thinking back on this game, it really just was a case of Pascal like, could not be stopped and San Antonio was not very good enough to, to muster any kind of a comeback. And, you know, when I think back on all the games this season, this might have been one of the more, like, ho-hum ones. Not necessarily boring because the Raptors did play well. I'm not trying to discredit their effort whatsoever. Obviously, Pascal played particularly great along with Chris. But to me, it was just like, obviously, the attention is elsewhere, right? We're, we're really focused on what else might happen um, ahead of 3 p.m. tomorrow. And, and I think that that's probably why, you know, there wasn't as much of a focus on this game. Um, I think everyone just kind of played, went through the motions. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. And uh, we'll see what their future is um, in the next 24 hours. So, yeah, in terms of this game, that's all I really have to say about it. Um, you know, <laughs> this is probably one of the shortest React pods of the year. But realistically, there's just not that much to take away from it. So um, you, in terms of your three stars from tonight's performance, uh, Pascal is going to get your first one. 37 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, 15 of 21 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Um, yeah, just wow. I mean, what a performance. He knocked down so many jumpers, man. I mean, I think that the only game where he made a, maybe have made more like jump shots than Pascal tonight was probably just the MSG game where he had 52. Um, but yeah, Pascal was excellent from the mid range. It was great to see. Um, and yeah, even the hustle and everything like that I and mean, the unselfishness, all that stuff was very strong for Pascal. So very happy to see him returning back to, you know, his, his usual form, at, the, at, at least on this season alone before, uh, you know, he kind of started slowing down in the last, like, three weeks or so. Um, your second star is going to Chris. 18 points, 11 rebounds, and assists, three steals, three blocks, six to 10 shooting from the field, two or four from three, four or five from the free throw line. I mean, it just, you know, his energy is, is great. Um, you know, again, without him, I don't know where the bench production will come from because it's like Christian Coloco in five minutes, committing a foul, blocking a shot, Wancho with four minutes, missing a wide-open three, Thad Young, you know, a couple of hook shots here or there, but, you know, four turnovers tonight, which was very uncharacteristic for him. Um, and then Malachi, who in 10 minutes managed to be a minus 13, which I don't understand because, like, the next closest minus on the Raptors was minus one for Precious and minus one for Scotty. Everyone else was a slight positive, uh, ranging up to plus 22 for Pascal, whereas somehow Malachi was a minus 13 in 10 minutes. I mean, I don't want to hold single game plus minus against anybody unless I specifically saw a trend. And it wasn't like the Spurs were going at Malachi. But my point is, overall, there was no other bench production. So if Chris didn't play out of, you know, not out of his mind, but if Chris didn't really step up, I don't know. The Raptors might have dropped the game to San Antonio, which really, really would have been sad. But, um, yeah, so Chris gets your second star. And then your third star, I mean, I'll probably give it to Scotty. I just I like the passing, um, you know, the rebounding, all the, the hustle and everything was there. I mean, again, I do want to see him be more aggressive. There were times where he got bagged up by Stanley Johnson. Can't hold that against him. I've seen Kawhi get bagged up by Stanley Johnson, and I'm not even kidding. So, you know, uh, maybe you just got to give credit to Stanley. Uh, former Raptors, great. Um, but... You know, yeah, I, I like some of the passing from Scotty. Overall, it wasn't like a stellar game from him by any means, but, um, you know, damn, I'm, I'm a, I, what can I say? I think everyone really likes a, a nice pass, and Scotty is certainly capable of those. So those are your three stars. Your Gerald Henderson Award from tonight's game. Um, Man, a lot of these guys were not good. Uh, <laughs> I, I suppose I give it to McDermott. I mean, this is just an average game from him, 13 points. Uh, a rebound, three assists. But I, I like the movement that he brought to San Antonio's offense. You know, obviously you get very nostalgic for what Spurs basketball used to look like in the beautiful game in the 2014 Spurs and how they moved the ball. Like, you see none of that in this current San Antonio Spurs team, unfortunately. Like, I, I don't think that you see any of that kind of um, movement and flow and, and any sort of that poetry that uh, the Spurs used to play with. But, I mean, at the same time, I feel like my compliment to Doug McDermott is that he could have played uh, for that Spurs team back in 2014.
So there, there was a there was a nice flow and, 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 and purpose to his game. And yeah, I mean, if he gets moved, I think that's a good shooter for somebody to bring off the bench. I think he could uh, he could help a lot of teams like Toronto, for example. So that does it for the reaction podcast. Thanks everyone for listening again. If you um, haven't heard already, but we're going to have a trade deadline special tomorrow. We're going to extend our show from two to four p.m. So an extra hour from three to four. We're going to cover the trade reactions. Uh, trade care cover the trade deadlines and yeah i mean you know it's uh, hopefully once this whole thing is over we can have much more clarity on who's here who's not what's the direction of the team and get back to focusing on basketball itself i know i've been complaining about that a lot but you know i understand how important this time of year is and why there's so much interest but at the same time you know i think this this feeling of sort of being in limbo right now is just not great and um yeah i think as soon as we're over and we can get to see who what the roster is then we can really start to to move forward and focus once again on the players and how they're performing and, and talk about um, you know the, the, the basketball aspect but for now I'm going to sign off thanks everyone for listening continue to rate review subscribe and uh, yeah tune into the trade deadline special tomorrow